Startle us, O God, with your truth, and open us to your love. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The following quotation is from the famous and often quoted 19th century study by Alexis de Tocqueville. Democracy in America. Americans of all ages, all conditions, and all dispositions constantly form associations. They have not only commercial and manufacturing companies, but associations of a thousand other kinds, religious, moral, serious, futile, general or restricted, enormous, and diminutive. The Americans make associations to give entertainments, to found seminaries, to build inns, to construct churches, to diffuse books, to send missionaries to the antipodes. In this manner, they found hospitals, prisons, and schools. If it is proposed to inculcate some truth or to foster some feeling by the encouragement of a great example, they form a society. Wherever at the head of some new undertaking you see the government in France or a man of rank in England, in the United States you will be sure to find an association. As soon as several of the inhabitants of the United States have taken up an opinion or feeling which they wish to promote in the world, they combine. From that moment, they are no longer isolated men, but a power seen from afar. If people are to remain civilized or to become so, the art of associating together must grow and improve. I read that quotation in the opening pages of a new book called Them, It's by United States Senator Ben Sass. On the surface, the book seems to be about our divisive politics, but Sass makes less of a political argument and more of a cultural one. He looks at the tremendous technological and material progress we have made in recent decades, and he says there have been unintended side effects, quite contrary to what de Tocqueville describes. More and more, we are struggling to form associations, to form communities with one another. And instead, we are finding ourselves increasingly isolated and lonely. The loneliness manifests itself in anger and incivility in our public conversations, and also privately in despair and self-harm. Suicide rates, as well as drug and alcohol-related deaths, are going way up, so much so that our country is experiencing a decline in life expectancy for the third straight year. Sass argues that the solution is not a political one. It is to recover the sense of community and neighborliness that once formed our country.
Alexis de Tocqueville cited the church as one of the places where community is found, one of the places that brings us together and makes life more satisfying. That's one of the things we want out of church, isn't it? We connect with the wisdom of our faith tradition, hoping it will lead us to a more meaningful, purposeful life. We hope a life of faith will make us more centered, more healthy people. We hope it will be a safe and grounding place for our families, where our children meet other people who are good and generous. We hope it will be a place where we are cared for. We also hope that our church will be a place that needs us. Meaning and purpose come not just from consuming or observing, but from contributing something of ourselves. We need to be useful citizens. The Bible has a lot to say about being useful citizens, people who are connected to our communities. One of the most important stories in the Old Testament is that of the Babylonian exile. When Jerusalem is destroyed in 587 BCE, the Israelites are forcibly removed from their homeland and forced to live in the foreign city of Babylon. This is a time of incredible crisis in their history. They will have to figure out how to be a community of faith in a place that is not their home, living among people who conquered them. The prophet Jeremiah is one of God's messengers to Israel in this time, and to those people living in exile, he offers this word about community. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all of the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. And do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Seek the welfare of the city to which I have sent you, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. The temptation would have been quite the opposite. Stuck in a foreign land, exiled by their conquerors, the Israelites must have been tempted to contribute nothing of themselves. They must have wanted to circle the wagons of their tribe to look out only for themselves and to invest nothing in their surroundings or their neighbors. But God has a different idea. They have to face the real challenges before them and invest in the place where they are living. Build houses, plant fields, marry and have children, says the Lord. One day you may get to return to Jerusalem, but if you want to make anything meaningful out of your lives, you must be citizens of your community.
seek the welfare of the city to which I have sent you. Another way of expressing that idea is saying, play the hand you've been dealt, or dance with the one who brung you. Maybe you know another cliche that suggests the same kind of thing. We all have circumstances in our lives where we learned how to do this, to get along with difficult family members, to stick with a less than perfect job, to keep on living with diminished physical health. Rarely in this world do we find ourselves in the exact circumstances we would have chosen. The world is not perfect. There are always challenges ahead and problems to be solved. Faithful citizens are people who play the hand they've been dealt, who dance with the one who brung them, who seek the welfare of the city to which they've been sent. There's a story about this in your announcements insert this morning. It's a story about all of us. David Annette, our director of youth and fresh spirit music, is getting ready to begin a new phase in his ministry. David graduated seminary back in May. He has completed all of the requirements for ordination. For many good reasons, the Presbyterian Church discourages being called to ministry in the church where you grew up. So we've known for a while that Dave might be called somewhere else. We are thrilled with how God has surprised us. Dave will continue in his work here at Knox. We will support him in new ways around the edges as he goes from full-time to a three-quarter time member of our staff. And he has received a call to ministry in which he will be ordained to serve a small faithful congregation in New Richmond, Ohio, Cranston Memorial Presbyterian Church. Cranston is an important church with a remarkable history. As early as 1836, abolitionist meetings took place in its sanctuary. Its pulpit hosted preachers from the Beecher Stowe family and the great abolitionist John Rankin. I have heard that even Frederick Douglass preached there. During the years of the Underground Railroad, a lit candle in the window of the pastor's home meant that it was safe to cross the Ohio River under the cover of darkness and to seek safety and shelter in the church. Cranston was a church of people taking deep risks for the advancement of the common good. It was a church of faithful citizens. In more recent years, New Richmond has fallen on hard times. The small downtown area has experienced economic decline seen in most small towns like it. The opioid epidemic that is devastating the Ohio Valley appears all over, and it is fully present in New Richmond. And a small group of faithful members of Cranston Memorial are seeking to be faithful to God's call in the midst of that struggle. 
They cannot afford a full-time pastor. And their church exists in a neighborhood that desperately needs faithful citizens. And they have called David to be their pastor. His skills in youth ministry will be useful there. There's a boys and girls club that sits right across the street from the church. There is lots of potential for ministry and outreach. There is no formal agreement between Cranston and Knox. David will have one set of responsibilities there and another set here. But it is Knox's ability to support one part of his ministry that allows him to stretch in this other direction. And there is no doubt in my mind that this new connection with another church in our presbytery will have a positive impact on us. Cranston is an important place, and it will be a challenging one. It's a place where people have to play the hand they've been dealt. God has called David to be there. No doubt relationships will form between our congregation and theirs, so I am eager to see how God is calling us also. A year ago, I never would have imagined this would be the way that we would keep David active in his ministry here at Knox and also support his call to ordained ministry. But this is how faith works. Seek the welfare of the city to which I have sent you. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. The Interfaith Hospitality Network, Third Presbyterian Church, Childhood Food Solutions, the list goes on. These are not outside organizations to whom we provide space or write a check. These are mission partners. Because of them, we here at Knox get a chance to be faithful citizens, to learn about challenges in our city that are different from the ones that we ourselves may face. We don't choose these partners and not choose others. God calls us together. For every partner we have, there is a personal story in this congregation as to why. In knowing them, we seek the welfare of the places to which God has sent us. In what we learn from these relationships and the fellowship and purpose we build as we work together, we also find our own welfare. Today is Commitment Sunday. This is the fourth sermon I have preached to you on stewardship, and this fall we have been talking about abundance, about the fact that we have enough. This first week, the first week, we read from Romans 12. We talked about the great variety of gifts present in this community and the way that God puts them to use. We spoke about our connections with one another and about welcoming new folks to come along. The second week was All Saints Sunday. We talked about a haunting message from Luke that our lives may be demanded of us at any time. 
and the blessing of being reminded about the things that matter most. And last week I read to you from 1 Corinthians 9. I told you stories about the abundance we enjoy here at Knox, and I invited you to dream about what God might do with us if everyone made a gift. All of these biblical messages are important. And none of them become real if we exist in this place simply as observers or consumers. The stories become real when we each decide to be citizens, to listen for God's call on our own lives, and to become a part of this community, seeking the welfare of the city to which God has sent us. I want to close today with that second passage we heard this morning, the one from Colossians. You've almost certainly heard it at somebody's wedding. It's frequently read in that context. As if these virtues are recommended only for husbands and wives. But the original audience wasn't two people getting married. It was a church community. This is a list of citizen virtues. These virtues help us to thrive together as a community. They help us to live lives of meaning and purpose. They keep us from feeling alone. Listen. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Creator through him. You are invited to live these virtues as part of our community. You are invited to be a part of who we are. You are invited to be a faithful citizen. Amen.